Welcome to a special podcast for men. My name's Dave Robinson. And I'm Chuck LeBlanc. And this podcast is about taking a look at men's fumbles, fears, fuck-ups, and fantastic recoveries. And this is is Men Men Tell Tell Stories. Stories. So welcome, everyone who's listening today to another episode of MTS, Men Tell Stories. Um, my name's Dave Robinson, and joining me is Chuck my LeBlanc, Chuck LeBlanc, as always. And uh, we are excited to pick up the thread from the last session that we were speaking about, which was how the connection of living with the good life living the good life rather is connected to in many ways our ability to as men to really identify what we're feeling understand why we're feeling it and learn how to express it and in this today's session we're going to continue that conversation right chuck around um this very nebulous world of emotion and um you know and the idea you had left us with the idea of tuning in to emotion and so i'm going to throw it to you right away and just say like okay so what do you mean by tuning in like does everybody have like an emotional radio station that they're tuning in the frequency inside or like what do you mean by that you know what kind of so one of the things i mentioned in the beginning of the last podcast this is what led us to talking a little bit about marshall rosenberg on nonviolent communication, but part of how I view emotions is it's like they are always like a radio station that's always on, always on. Part of the reason for that, and it's just a quick summary of of last time, uh, part of the reason for that is the emotions are our feedback system that we both understand the environment and then shape the world around us. And so it's not something we can stop, but it's something we can tune into, block, or um, what was the word? Redirect. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of what we talked about was like grief, things like that, or anger. So a lot of the times if, if a man is expressing anger, most of the time what anger is is a redirection of a hurt. So instead of expressing a hurt or a sadness, they redirect it towards anger, which provides uh, a defensive feedback to the environment, right? So they're getting rid of whatever stimulus is stimulating that hurt, they're trying to protect themselves the best way that we can. I shouldn't say them, it's we, because I do this. Um, so I'm protecting myself from like the environment, and I just don't want that, that wound to be touched. But that wound remains because it's not expressed. Mm-hmm. So part of tuning in is to understand, okay, well, I understand why I'm expressing this emotion. So let's say anger. Right. But I don't know why it doesn't go away. What else is mm-hmm. happening back there? And what else is typically happening back there is that hurt, sadness, grief, whatever it is you're dealing with that's not being expressed, it's being blocked. And so part of tuning in is being able to bypass how you're expressing yourself currently. So in emotional focus therapy, that's your the difference between a primary and secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. Secondary emotion being anger in this case because it's the emotion we're using. Primary emotion is the actual emotion we're feeling. And so being able to bypass the secondary emotion and asking yourself, okay, wait, what am I actually feeling? I get that I'm angry, but what, what's sparking this? What's fueling this anger? 
and part of tuning into that, which we'll unpack today, is being is being able to sit with that for a minute to try to see what's behind it. You know, this situation hurt me, or I'm really sad today, but it's embarrassing to say that out loud. So I want people to stop asking me, right? You can get irritated from that. Right. And, you know, I think what gets murky, especially for men, is, and, and, and for me in my life, um, is trying to decipher or pull apart what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it from the judgments and the evaluations I have about what's happened, mm -hmm. right? Because like, how do I know if what's going on inside of me is just a story or a judgment that I have about a situation that's activated what's going on inside of me versus really tapping into the feeling? Like, I'm feeling angry right now. That's maybe the primary, the activated feeling or emotion. And underneath that, in men, in it could be sadness, for example. I know in the work that I've done over the years with men, that whenever I'm working with a man who's processing his anger, underneath the anger inevitably, and I think I've probably said this before, is usually a buckets and buckets of sadness. Mm -hmm. And underneath, and then if I'm working with a man who's dealing with sadness, underneath the sadness inevitably is anger. Because anger can be used to cover up sadness. Sadness can be used to cover up anger. And it just depends on what the go-to is or the default for the man is in that particular situation. So tuning in is really about looking at perhaps what's under what we think we're feeling mm -hmm. or what we're triggered into feeling perhaps, right? And what we're expressing. And what we're expressing. You know, that's the tough part, right? And I know it was for me, even as a therapist, it's trying to get to the bottom of it when, you know, when your secondary emotions spark, like come off, right? That's part of your defensive structure. So when I mentioned the emotions are feedback and they also shape the environment, the secondary emotions is the feedback you give to the environment, right? So if you're hurt or sad, but you don't want to express it, well, what's a good way to clear the room or get people to not ask you? <laughs> to get mad about it right mm -hmm. bite back basically mm -hmm. or close off so another way to do it is close off completely stonewall the situation which is a freeze response right and so or a, sorry a run response so these are all the ways that we protect ourselves so part of the way to go backwards is to see if we can figure out why we have the need to protect ourselves mm. and say more what do you mean thing. so this is a tough thing because the secondary emotions are an amygdala response which is survival so they show up like a blazing fire right and so if you're not careful they'll just take over and then you have to deal with the aftermath mm. and so one there's a few ways depending on the person to help you learn how to tune in so i'll walk through mine how i learned how to tune in for feelings of hurt and grief was I started to, I couldn't unpack it in my head. So for me to sit there and go, okay, I'm angry. What's going on behind here? It was just like a labyrinth and I never could figure it out. It was like mm -hmm. just, it would just fuel that anger. It was like a snowball down a hill. But when I start to pay attention to what my body is doing, so last time we called this the somatic markers. Mm -hmm. uh, for those out there who's interested in, in research about this, Antonio DiMaggio is like the go-to person. 
but you can write that down and do your own thing. <laughs> I'll spare you the lecture. But somatic markers are how the emotions and feelings show up in the body. And they're asking for a response. So for me, when I get hurt, it's, it's like a... It's similar to sadness. It's like a pit that grows behind my chest. Almost like a black hole pulling me in. And it wants to suffocate me. But at the same time, it's weighing me down like a heavy blanket. So you get a sigh, you know, like a... Mm -hmm. And my body goes totally defeated. And the longer I sit in there, the more pissed off I get about it. And this breeds resentment. And then the resentment bleeds a blow up. Over time, because you can only hold it in for so long for myself. So as I was working through learning how to tune in, I had to learn how to tune into what my body is doing. Screw the brain, you know, just bypass what the brain is saying and hone in on the body for a minute. And when I did that, I got past the tightness in the chest and I found that pit that I just talked about. And when I found that pit, I was told to just hang out because this was all in therapy, hang out with that pit for a minute, just sit there and try to see what it's telling you. And at first it tells me nothing. This is an irritating exercise because you're like, what the fuck am I trying to find? What are you telling me? Shut up, right? But the longer you do it and the more frequently you do it, the more you can actually, it's like flexing that muscle. You're getting used to listening to the language of what this pit is trying to say. And then over time I started to feel the feeling in my throat, you know, that lump. And then the feeling behind the eyes. And then I realized, well, holy shit, I'm sad. I'm hurting. I'm not angry. I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I'm angry about being sad. Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is, I'm hurting in here. Mm -hmm. And then when you take that a step further, and in EFT, they call this a core wound and then need, right? You're hunting for your need. For me, it was being dismissed. When I'm dismissed, I get hurt. Mm -hmm. And if I can't express the hurt, then when I'm dismissed, I get pissed off. Passive aggressive, I bite back. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really get how useful it is to get out of the intellect and more into the body and allowing the body to guide what's really going on in the deeper piece in the, in the under that I described mm -hmm. when I'm working with my clients, especially men who are locked up in, you know, in the emotional lockup more in that, in the juggernaut of, I don't know what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. The first thing we do is we limit some of the senses. So like, um, closing eyes as an example, and just giving your opportunity for your body to feel something. So if you were to scan your body, where would you find it? What What is it that, where's the energy in getting them to sort of do a visual scan of what's happening in their body, right? Is like, is there a spot where you see energy or feel like a tightness or restriction or resistance or something like that? And then we can either guide a deeper process with the emotion. So say a man is saying, I'm feeling angry. Then the question becomes, okay, where in your body are you feeling the anger? Is there energy there? Is if you were to describe that energy, you know, is it, is it, is it, what color would it be as an example? What shape would it be? Could it be? 
Um, is it heavy? Is it light? And the reason why I'm sharing these different nuances is because what's interesting is no one emotional experience is the same. So just because I have anger today and it feels heavy and it's red, as an example, and it's trapped in my chest, tomorrow my anger could be, well, I'm feeling it in my face today and it's black and um, it's light and there's a lot of energy and my fists want to clench. And so the more I can help and the more in my process that I can figure out what the energy is, you know, what's going on in my body, what does my body want to do with this energy? So sometimes um, I want to push back to your point as an example, or I want to strike out, or um, I want to grab onto something or like it, who knows what the activity is. And, you know, in the old days when we used to meet clients face to face <laughs> in a lot of ways, we used to be able to physically help them have that experience. Like, you know, okay, let's go with that. Let's go with that energy. Now it becomes a bit more challenging. So we have to be more creative around helping a client facilitate where that energy is. One of the ways that I've I've found useful is to say, okay, so let's say this energy that's in your body right now is meant to be there. Like this feeling energy, this emotional energy. And if it was meant to be there, maybe there's a message. So what do you think the message might be? And sometimes the message for, like I've had clients who are angry say, um, I, I just, I, I, I don't want enough enough of this or I just need to stop or today is not the day like in these messages that come up sometimes don't even line up with what the primary emotion is for a client mm -hmm. until they do a deeper kind of investigation around or exploration around you know what is that message that they're carrying inside of them and and what do they need to do with that message do they need to explore it further do they need to pay attention to it? Is it their words or is it someone else's words that they've taken on, etc.? Does that make? Yeah. So there's some parallels. A, it's, it's a lot of parallels in this beautiful process, and to tie this into, you know, what you were saying earlier. A lot of how we express these emotions, mm -hmm. the secondary ones, like the the fact that we miss these messages, have a lot to do with what we've been told growing up and mm -hmm. how we've been taught to deal with them growing up. So these are, uh, one way we can put it is like a social repression of these emotions. So it's not even a choice that we have made, but they're automatic. I know I used to call it the shame baton, right? So if you step out of a certain line, then you come in and you smack yourself back into the line by calling, you know, you're an idiot, you're this, you're that, I can't do this. All these things will show up. I don't deserve to be seen. Why would I do this? I feel weak for crying. You know, I'm such a baby. All of these things show up that aren't even our voice their exterior to us that we've incorporated hmm. and so part of the process of tuning in is to figure out which one's mine mm -hmm. what am i actually saying here what's the message that my body's trying to portray because if you haven't noticed uh, this is more to the audience those core feelings that are actually being expressed that's you 
it's the body trying to do what it needs to do, the energy trying to release, but it's the feedback it's trying to provide to the world. Mm-hmm. So if we look at hurt or being dismissed, if that's the core wound, right? The need is connection. It's to matter. And we inherently matter. So we're taught that we don't matter by the exterior environment. Simple as that. From being bullied, maybe bad parents, all of these things will teach us these things which will create the core wound. So the actual hurt is trying to express that. And if you're able to express the hurt, then you can find an area, an environment where people can call you in instead of kicking you out. Mm-hmm. That's what it's looking to do. I think too, in in addition to, um, you know, the social zeitgeist that reinforces things like we don't matter also is, you know, we're not good enough. Yeah. There's parts of us that aren't accepted in society unless we take a certain product, do a certain exercise, um, buy wear specific clothing like whatever it is all of these things are reminders of our own inadequacy which is all part of the bullshit narrative of shame that part of me that if i'm walking the outs in the outside world and i'm being constantly re um if the message is being reinforced in me that there's something not quite right with me then eventually over time, I'm going to start to adopt that belief and reject myself just out of self-preservation, which is paradoxically um, an odd strategy for making myself feel better. But all I'm doing is picking up the signals from the outside world and making sense of it by agreeing, right? Until I learn... Exactly. Until I learned to separate the difference between shame being an identity, identifying who I am through my shame as an example, versus seeing it as a feeling, feeling it, letting that emotion settle in or that feeling settle in and then letting it flow out of me as opposed to being part of who I am. And a lot of men you know, that angry man, there's an identity right there as an example versus a man who's feeling angry right now Mm -hmm. as an, you know, what a difference. difference. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more freedom in the idea of I'm feeling this emotion right now because insert reason, Mm -hmm. which is a temporary moment, Mm -hmm. not a permanent one, but identity is more of a permanent construct right? It's part of who we are, inescapable. Again, you know, a self-limiting belief that many of us, including myself, have carried with me for, I've carried it with me for most of my life, these limiting beliefs related to emotions being part of my, or or feelings being part of my identity, as opposed to what they really are. It's just moments in time. Mm -hmm. Feedback Mm -hmm. systems, moments in time. I like that. Right. I like that because identity as limiting beliefs is really where this is the perfect time to transition to our next episode because identity as limiting beliefs, being able to understand that Mm -hmm. helps you to understand how to live a good life because identity itself is fluid. Right. It's, It's nothing more than habits and practices we've engaged in over time. It's momentum. Right. So it's these points of momentum that's garnered energy. 
So if we have a shame identity, if there's parts of ourselves that are we are ashamed of. So for instance, for me, because you know I'm someone with ADHD, so my growing up, I was bullied quite a bit. We all know this, but my years of high school and middle school and elementary school were riddled with problems because of how my brain works. So by the time that I uh, graduated high school, I was convinced I was an idiot, basically. Mm-hmm. I can't learn. I can't write. I can't do all these things. This is not who I am. And so as I went through all of my years of university, that was a constant thing I had to battle. Mm-hmm. The procrastination behind every essay was because I spent two weeks thinking I was a moron. Like all of these things would show up. And these are all limiting beliefs from that shame narrative trying to express itself. When the, tr- the fact of the matter is, the, re- the reality of it is, is that I'm not. Mm-hmm. I have enough experience and accomplishments to know that. But the feelings are the way that we provide feedback to the world and we present feedback to ourselves. And so if I'm feeling ashamed, then there's something in the water. That's why it's so uncomfortable and you want to protect yourself. Right. Of course, I'm going to have imposter syndrome. Of course, I'm going to elicit anxiety responses like procrastination and things like that because it's so much safer for me to run for it before someone figures out I shouldn't be here as a limited belief. And yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, but part of breaking through that was trying to get underneath Mm -hmm. being able to understand what story, what story, what narrative created this shame identity. Is it actually true? And what am I actually feeling underneath that? And this was uh, one of those occasions where I was actually pretty pissed off that this happened. And some of the ways that I bust through the limiting belief in the past year, past two years, is getting mad about it. So in those moments, I know a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to a podcast, uh, which I was very excited about, but it was, you know, a theory podcast, pretty heavy podcast. And I was walking in going, oh my God, <laughs> like if ever there was a moment where I'm going to feel like an idiot, it's right now. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel that about halfway through, which is considerable work on my part, because usually it's a week before, but this was just about half an hour before. Mm-hmm. But I was able to get angry at it and say, no, no, actually, I'm pretty pissed at this shame response because it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. And I can walk myself out of it. And that allowed me to have a pretty amazing time. And so those are kind of ways you can tune in, connect, but it also brings you to the larger idea of, okay, well, how do we get out of these shame identities and where do we go from here? Right. And, um, you know, what's how do we get ourselves into a situation where we weaponize our shame mm-hmm. where we you know and where where we weaponize guilt mm-hmm. and we use that as ways in which to keep ourselves playing a small game like it's hard to rise to low expectations mm-hmm. and yet if i'm constantly believing i'm not going to meet other people's expectations then sometimes lowering the bar to the point where you know, it's so low that at least I can do this and feel good about myself. When even though I know that bar is so much lower than what I'm capable of, what's the point of raising the bar? If I believe that no matter what I do, it's never going to be well received, it's never going to be good enough. So why not just lower that bar and just keep it that way? And then the lament of, wow, how come I'm living such a a boring life or how come I'm living a life that's where I'm under, you know, I'm not living my potential or 
Um, I'm playing a small game, whatever the phrase is, but it's related to that. And if we find a way to raise that bar incrementally, we can start to battle it. And one of the ways is to get angry. One of the ways is to channel the anger inside that says, nope, today is the day I'm seizing the day. Today is the day I am not negotiating with myself to be the lowest common denominator. Today's the day I will do this next thing that I've set out to do, whatever that might be. Fuck it, right? I'm doing it. Fuck it, I'm doing Fuck it. Moments. Exactly right. So this is great. I mean, this is the perfect quilting point to bring up how we started the conversation in the last episode with learned helplessness mm -hmm. and capability deprivation. What you just described is the, is the exact definition of what happens. And I think in the next episode, where we're going to go is we're going to unpack that. Right. Figure out how do we break through those moments to rise above those incremental changes to where we want to go. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. So thanks again. I know that this was one of those brief sessions and it was great and um, love to connect with you, man. Um, thank you all for listening. My name is Dave Robinson. You can reach me at david at shift-counseling.ca and shiftcounseling.ca and Chuck. This is Chuck LeBlanc. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you can reach me at chuckleblancounseling.ca or chuck at chuckleblancounseling.ca and we'll see you all, all right. next time. See you then.